We celebrate Passover uh, on many levels. First of all, we celebrate it uh, as a, uh, on a family level, you know, uh, kind of like uh, the way we might celebrate Thanksgiving. You know? It's not an academic exercise, uh, Passover. It is a celebration of coming together. Uh, oftentimes, uh, as families, what you do, you remember, you know, Passovers of years ago. You remember maybe when, Graham, when, when, when the Seder was at Grandma and Grandpa's house and, uh, and the smells coming out of the kitchen and, you know, all of that. So uh, we celebrate uh, Passover in a very familial uh, kind of way. Uh, and then we, another way we celebrate Passover is uh, communally. We're part of something much greater than ourselves when we celebrate Passover. We're, so, we're part of a tradition that has lasted for 5,000 years. We're part of a tradition that Jewish people have observed and celebrated through thick and thin, through, through persecutions and good times and uh, in exile and in the land and, and uh, you know, just all of it. Uh, and uh, uh, so we celebrate it communally, and we need to have that knowledge that we're part of something larger than ourselves, that us celebrating Passover at home is part of the link of the chain of Jewish history, custom, and tradition. And because if each family at some point decided not to do it, then we'd have a broken cord, see? So every time uh, we have a Seder, we're strengthening uh, that identity as a, as a Jewish as a Jewish people, and uh, as those who love Israel and uh, and are and are part of the uh, uh, you know messianic uh, uh, world uh, as well, all of us uh, together. Uh, so we celebrate it that way. Uh, then we celebrate it uh, in a sense uh, of remembering all that God has done, not not simply you know horizontally about family and then socially, you might say, among our people, but, but also uh, uh, thinking about what God has done, the faithfulness of God uh, for us all of these years, and, uh, and recognizing that God is indeed the God of redemption. Remember last week we, we uh, touched on that uh, in Exodus chapter 6, uh, about how the fact is that uh, when, when God says, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as uh, uh, God Almighty, uh, but uh, now the nation will know me as yud heh as the personal name of, of God. Remember what we said that what he, mean, what he meant by that was, in general, the uh, patriarchs knew God as the Almighty, the All-Powerful One, and of course also as a Redeemer, but, but mostly as the All-Powerful One. But now that we come to the Exodus, the paradigm forevermore to this very day is the God of Israel is a deliverer. The God of Israel is a redeemer. Uh, the God of Israel brings us out of slavery. See, no matter who we are. Uh, and uh, if you remember, uh, uh, we said last time that uh, in the Brit Hadashah, when people like Paul were talking to Gentiles, they weren't people that grew up like in a church, you know, and now we're discovering the Jewish roots of the faith. You, know, you see what I mean? They were pagans. They didn't know about the God of Israel. They, they did not know. So they're introduced to the God of Israel through the doorway of Yeshua. See? 
uh, and they needed to learn that God really cared about them. It's interesting that today, if you hear someone that grew up a Muslim come to faith in Yeshua and give their testimony, chances are, not every time, but I would say almost, almost every time I have heard a testimony from someone that grew up in Islam, they say at some point in that testimony, and I discovered that there was the love of God. The love of God. See? Uh, and that is the uniqueness of Hashem, of Adonai, Yudhei the God of Israel. We take that for granted. Of course, God is love. Yeah. But that is the uniqueness of the one true God. And he displayed that so dynamically, uh, you know, so to speak, in living color, you know what I mean? Uh, gloriously in the redemption of the Jewish people out of Egypt. And that is the paradigm of redemption, the paradigm of salvation. It is the definition, in a sense, of God's relationship to mankind. He loves us. He lo what do we read in the Brit Hadashah? He loved us so much that he sent Yeshua into this world to die for our sins, right? And to be raised from the dead. That is the paradigm of uh, Passover. There you go, the paradigm of Passover, right? Uh, and, uh, and that's what we're, we're uh, celebrating. So in one sense, as we celebrate Passover, it is a, uh, a remembrance of this great thing God has done uh, in, uh, in history. Okay? Uh, now, when we read the Haggadah, right, we're retelling the story. Uh, uh, we're remembering uh, by reading. You know, we remember in several different ways. And if you come tonight, you'll, you will, uh, you'll hear and see uh, and taste all about it. And that really is uh, uh, recognizing what uh, a Passover is in terms of when God said, never forget what I did for you when I brought you by the hand and led you out of the land of Egypt. So at the Seder, one of the things we do is we read about it and we hear about it and then we experience it again by eating it. See? Uh, so we read the Haggadah, we hear about it, and then we eat the matzah, we eat the bitter herb, and we, we eat a variety of different foods. Uh, I believe personally that uh, the reason that Passover is so, uh, the, the celebration of Passover brings home the, the truth of the reality of the Messiah, and the reason why when, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, if, if you've ever been to a, a church where someone comes and talks about Passover or, or people especially have a Seder, you know, and then people come up and say, oh, that was unbelievable. It, it ha it's, this is one of those things where sometimes preachers will say, well, the message preaches itself, you know. And in this case, it's true because... I, I, what people are doing is they are experiencing this reality with a, with a number of different senses. You know, God made us human in a certain way. That means a lot of things. Uh, and one of the things it means is the way we receive truth or information and, and how it goes inside of us. And, and I know people learn differently. Uh, but when we use our eyes, when we use our ears, and we use our nose... And we use our mouth to taste and eat. I mean, that really, you know, you're, we're, we're covered, you know? Uh, and we're using so many of our senses to understand this that uh, it, uh, we really receive it, I think. 
Uh, and, uh, and so that's what we do uh, at the Seder. And I trust last night, many of us used all those senses uh, experiencing uh, the memorial of the past, right? Then there is uh, the faithfulness of God today. In fact, in the Haggadah, I'll just paraphrase it, it says, in every generation, we should all feel as if we were redeemed out of the land of Egypt. It says that right in the Haggadah, okay? So the idea... I, at the Passover Seder, when we celebrate it, is that we're supposed to not just be remembering something in the past, but feeling it our, ourselves. And certainly as a Messianic community, uh, that's very important uh, uh, to us, of the reality of the new covenant, right? Uh, but even, even uh, beyond that, uh, the understanding of just that, that God is still faithful to the Jewish people. Oftentimes at a Passover Seder, uh, uh, things are mentioned about other, uh, other um, deliverances of Israel. And oftentimes at the Seder, uh, we remember that uh, God still is the deliverer of those who are enslaved. In fact, some people at the Seder uh, talk about current events in the world uh, and how we need to be aware of other enslavements of people and how God still is the deliverer and things of, of that nature. So there's a very contemporary element. And of course, as Messiah followers, uh, the Passover uh, reminds us of the Last Supper, of Yeshua's Seder, uh, where Yeshua took some of the elements and traditions and applied them to himself, right? We're familiar, of course, with the uh, most popularly, uh, the bread and a cup of, of Messiah's uh, uh, table that Yeshua took matzah. He took a cup and reminded us that he is the Lamb of God right there at the Seder uh, who came to take away the sins of the world. And, uh, you know, when it says in the New Covenant, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, he wasn't saying as often as you uh, have a Messiah's table or communion or whatever you, in your own tradition, you may call it, uh, that wasn't invented yet, you know. He's talking about Passover. Whenever you're celebrating Passover, remember me, right? Uh, and so whenever we have Messiah's table, we're remembering him. It doesn't mean that we can only uh, have this moment of remembering Messiah uh, via uh, the Seder, but whenever we do it, we're in a sense celebrating the Passover, right? And when we um, uh, eat the matzah and have the cup, we're not only remembering the historical event that took place, but that there is this mystical dynamic that is taking place. And people have created varieties of theologies around it, fought wars, people have died over it. But there's a mystery there. There's, there's a mystery of the, the union of God and us. And it is this issue of, in every generation, we need to experience this uh, as if this is happening to us. Remember that historically... Yeshua died for our sins thousands of years ago. The event happened thousands of years ago. The resurrection of the Messiah happened thousands of years ago. So it's a historical event that we are very far removed from. Just throw on another few thousand years and you have the Exodus. You know, once you get past a thousand years, what's a thousand years? You know? Uh, and, and so uh, we remember, when we remember the events at the Exodus, yes, oh, ancient history. But yet we bring it right up to our present. Remember the faithfulness of God to Israel today. 
And so Yeshua died in a historical situation that took place in a period of time far removed from uh, today in almost every sense of the word, removed. Uh, however, we experience that truth today via the, via the Brit Hadashah and uh, the uh, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, the New Covenant and the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, uh, we experience uh, the death and resurrection of Yeshua in our own lives. And so, when we experience Passover, we're, it's like a double blessing. God's faithfulness all the years, and, uh, and climactically in the coming of the Messiah, uh, and so uh, today, as we have Messiah's table, we want to remember both that historical event that took place and how we can experience that uh, uh, today, okay? So I'm now going to ask those who are serving uh, Messiah's table to come right now, okay? Come on up now, all right? And uh, we are going to uh, celebrate Messiah's table. What what? Isn't it great if you are coming tonight, it's like this morning and tonight, you know? It's like the whole day is Messiah's table. Isn't that neat? You know, it's very interesting. Something that's unique among Messiah followers is uh, the fact that we do this together. You ever notice that? I mean, if a person is sick, sometimes, you know, uh, you go and, and um, have Messiah's table with them, that kind of thing. But generally speaking... This is something uh, that we value very much communally. That also is a Jewish value that people don't realize. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, observing a Messiah's table uh, communally. And it is indeed a, uh, a shared meal of sorts. And uh, sharing a meal is uh, very important. Very important in the Bible. And uh, a few years ago, I think I might have uh, talked about this. I don't remember exactly, but it is interesting. I know, if you know me, and, and uh, most of the time uh, when people want to meet with me, I like to uh, get a cup of coffee somewhere, uh, unless, it, unless it needs to be very, very private and we meet in the office. That's fine, too, of course. But, but uh, there's something about, uh, even if it's not a meal, sharing a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee together. There's something going on there. And, uh, and uh, I think that uh, you have a model of that uh, in the scriptures of shared meals. Now, I'm not going to give a message on shared meals in the Bible, but I'm going to mention a couple, okay? One that's really interesting is in Exodus chapter 24. I don't know if you ever noticed this. In Exodus chapter 24, when... The children of Israel, uh, you know, have received uh, the Ten Commandments, and the, you have um, Moses getting ready to go up this mountain, and, and so on. You read in verse uh, 9, Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. Very interesting. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. It's kind of interesting. They beheld God, and they ate and drank. Why does the Bible tell us that? What? Who cares, uh, you know, uh, uh, what they ate and drank, what? But it's about they ate and drank. That is important. If it's, if it's in the text, it's very important. And there is something about sharing a meal together in the presence of God. All right? 
So now it's very interesting that, of course, you know that uh, at the Seder, we're called to share a meal together as well in the presence of, of God, right? Of uh, remembering the outgoing of our people from Egypt, the, the Jewish people, uh, you know, in Exodus chapter 12, ate this meal. And then from uh, that time onward, we eat, we eat this meal remembering our redemption. And here uh, you have at um, what, what seemed to be, in a sense, a pinnacle of the relationship that uh, the Jewish people uh, have with God at Sinai, they share this meal, okay? And you know, it's interesting because at the Seder, you have uh, uh, the end of the Seder has a name. It's called Nirtzah, which means acceptance. And uh, we're going to talk more about this tonight, but it is very interesting that in a sense, it is, uh, you know, the destiny being Sinai that We've been redeemed out of the bondage of Egypt, and now we're at, uh, we get to Sinai, and there's this shared meal experience, right? Uh, now, why, why do I uh, bring that up? Because even at the Seder, there is this looking forward to a future time. There is a looking forward uh, to, uh, uh, you know, from a, uh, the, the paradigm of the rabbis and of Israel uh, of the days of Messiah. Uh, that there is this, you know, we are slaves, to, we, today we are slaves, next year may we be free men in the land of Israel. We open up the door for Elijah at, at the Seder. There's a sense of incompleteness at the Seder. That it's not all done. That there is this future acceptance, see? And so it's interesting because the scriptures give us a glimpse of this future in the context of meals. And I would suggest that it all ties very much into, <clears throat> into the, uh, the Passover. I think it's interesting that we're called to uh, have this meal together every year, and then we see that when God interacts with uh, Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders, that they have a meal and then if you turn to Isaiah, to save some time, Isaiah 25, there was this remarkable passage. And I think it is one of the most glorious sections of the whole Bible. Isn't that interesting? Isaiah 25, you're saying, wait, wait, not 53? What? Not 7? Not 9? Not 11? 66? What? 25? So it says in verse 6, And the Lord of hosts, talking about the future, you know, it's like an eschatological, like a looking to the, the great future. That, okay? And the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces of marrow, which, is, which means meat, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering, which is over all peoples, even the veil, which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. And he will renew the reproach of his people, remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Now you're saying that's interesting because I recognize some things here, right? Without turning to all those passages, you know, Paul talks about 
uh, that death is swallowed up, right? And we read uh, in Revelation chapter 21 about uh, he'll, he'll remove the, he'll wipe away tears from all faces and remove the, the reproach of peoples. Here he's talking about, about Israel. Uh, but you see at the end of Revelation this, this type of talk, right? But you notice in verse 6, he talks here about a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. So what, one of the pictures or one of the truths that Isaiah paints for us is that there's going to be this great banquet in the future. This great banquet, right? Now it's interesting, how does that specifically have to do with Yeshua? I mean, with uh, Passover. I believe that perhaps Yeshua himself ties together the Passover to this future banquet. And I think that there's a lot of passages we could turn to. But in Luke chapter 22, he says some interesting things at the Seder about the future. Okay? If you look in verse 16, beginning in verse 14 gives us the context. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table, Passover. And uh, I must pause and say, notice the word reclined at the table. Isn't it interesting? You read that same word in the Haggadah. It's very, very interesting. Uh, and when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he's referring to like eating the Passover in the future. Okay. Then he says, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. This is probably the Kiddush, by the way. Okay. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. So it's very interesting that at the Seder, he talks about eating and drinking a future Passover meal. Okay. That's fascinating. It's fascinating in light of what we read in Isaiah chapter 25 about this lavish banquet to come in the future. And then, of course, isn't it interesting that if you go all the way to the book of Revelation in the 19th chapter, beginning in verse 7, "...let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him." For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe her in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These, uh, were, these are true words of God. And so here you have at the consummation, we'll just say, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, you have this meal where the Lamb is going to eat and the Lamb is going to drink with his bride. And it was at the Seder when Yeshua said, I'll eat this and drink this later on. May I suggest that just as we have a first Seder and a second Seder, there's going to be a third Seder. And that third Seder... Uh, is uh, the, the, the Jewish Messiah followers and people of all nationalities coming together and partaking with the Lamb of God. And when it says the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's referring to the, the consummation. 
that we are in the process of being sanctified. And another message for another day would be to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at all those passages about the bride and how we're being prepared uh, for the consummation of our relationship with God. Uh, And so when we have our Seder, it is a taste of the future. When we have our family Seder, it's a taste of the future because we're sitting and we're eating and we're drinking and we're enjoying uh, uh, who we are uh, and uh, as uh, Messiah followers, we're enjoying who we are in Messiah. When we can come together communally, it's even bigger uh, in that sense because we are with other Messiah followers, Jews and uh, people of all nationalities. I decided I like that better than saying Jews and Gentiles. You know that? But Gentiles, that's like the whole world, right? But it's not like, like a Gentile land, you know what I mean, where everybody is the same. Jews and people of all nationalities. That is really uh, uh, what that is referring to. Uh, and that is what the Seder looks forward to. That is what Passover looks forward to. And I would suggest that the book of Revelation is very interesting in that way for two reasons. One is, notice that if you're going to summarize Revelation, you'd say, it's about a bunch of plagues and then deliverance. Well, that's kind of interesting. Because in a way, it is like an apocalyptic Passover, being redeemed out of the bondage of slavery. And then we have a big meal together, you know? Uh, and, and so you have the Passover paradigm of God redeeming his people out of, out of a bondage. And then isn't it an interesting number two in, in the book of Revelation? That the lamb, you read about the lamb over and over and over again in, in Revelation. You'd think it'd be the lion, right? Powerful, victorious lion, right? But it is the lion who is a lamb. The lion who is a lamb. I encourage you on your own to go and look up all those verses. Like, half the world has Bible works. Go look it up, all right? Uh, uh, the, the, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. You see it. And you know what you see in a lot of those places? It talks about God on the throne and the lamb. You ever notice that? God on the throne and the lamb. Well, that's fascinating. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the seventh chapter of Daniel. Why would that remind me of the seventh chapter of Daniel? Because in the seventh chapter of Daniel, Daniel had this vision. And I'm just going to say just a word uh, about this. That it talks about the ancient of days, right? And of course, that's God. God is the ancient of days, right? Right? Uh, So you read uh, about uh, uh, this ancient of days, who is God, okay? Like in verse 9, says, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vestiture was like white snow and the hair on his head pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames, wheels. I mean, what a picture, right? Okay, God. There you go, God. But then you read a few more verses down. And I kept looking. So first he's looking and he sees the Ancient of Days. God. Then he he keeps looking. And he sees, behold, in verse 13, with the clouds of heaven, One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so may I suggest that when it talks about in the book of Revelation, God on the throne and the Lamb, 
you have like the same picture of the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. And that the Son of Man is indeed the Lamb, as we read in the, in the Gospels. Yeshua basically explains the whole thing to us. That he is the Lamb and that he is the Son of Man. And that uh, salvation has been, uh, comes in person, in the person of the Messiah. And so, at the Seder tonight, uh, hopefully last night, first Seder, and our Seder tonight, that we enjoy it, and we're enjoying remembering our history, we're enjoying the relationship we have with God and each other now, and that it gives us a glimpse of the future lavish banquet, a glimpse of this future meal with Messiah himself, who said, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm going to eat the Passover there. And I'm going to drink the cup there. Join me there. And we are that bride. And, uh, you know, we're going to eat a little Hillel sandwich tonight, which is the bitterness and the sweet wrapped up together. And that is sort of like what this life is all about. As, yes, we're celebrating that Seder, but there's bitter and there's sweet. But we're looking forward to that day when it's all charosis. You know, when it is all uh, uh, sweetness, it is all uh, salvation, no more tears, as we read in Isaiah and also in the book of, uh, of uh, Revelation. And so finally, I just wanted to say, you know, it's very interesting when we talk about this third Seder, because I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but in the Lubavitcher Hasidim, not Orthodox Judaism, you know, like across the board, but the, the, uh, this one uh, group of ultra-Orthodox, they have a tradition called the Third Seder. And it takes place on the last day of Passover. And it's supposed to be, the understanding is, actually, I won't even read this, I'll just tell you, that the understanding is, is on the first two days of Passover, we have a Seder that reminds us of our past and of our present. But we have a Seder on the last day of Passover the third Seder, to remind us of the Messiah, of the Messiah who's going to come. And uh, it's, uh, sometimes it's referred to as the third Seder, sometimes Messiah's Seder. And the reason that many have not heard about it is because it's only in the Lubavitcher Hasidim, not even in all the other Hasidim, not even all, not all ultra-Orthodox Jews, not, but this one group, it's very interesting, ta- calls it the third Seder. And isn't it fascinating that you read about this future meal that takes place. It is really rich. And so isn't it a blessing to know Messiah when we celebrate the Passover and be able to experience such richness, not not isolated, but together. As we sing together, we eat together, we share together, we rejoice together with one vision uh, of the future. And so what a glorious time it is to celebrate Passover And uh, what an encouragement Passover is for us as it points to that future redemption, the complete redemption of our bodies where no longer will there be tears, no longer will there be the bitterness of slavery in any sense of it. And so let us thank God uh, for the Lamb of God, for it was because of that event that took place 2,000 years ago that any of it is going to happen. And... uh, And so let us be thankful for the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for Yeshua. 
Thank you, Lord, that his death and resurrection is about the redemption of the whole world, not just about me or not even about just, you know, my life or what's going on in 2015, you know, in our world, but of the entire redemption of this earth, Lord. And so we thank you that that suffering, that ignoble suffering and death of Yeshua that took place 2,000 years ago has as its fruit this marriage supper of the Lamb and a new heaven, and a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you that even then, <laughs> that uh, identity, that Jewish identity remains, that we read about specifically a new Jerusalem, in the midst of a new heaven and a new earth. Lord, we thank you, God, that we're part of that. And God, I, I pray that as we uh, celebrate the Seder, that we might realize that we are a part of that history, as well as, as Jewish history. We are a part of your history unfolding, Lord, looking forward to that day. And we pray in Messiah's name, the Lamb of God. Amen.